Welcome to the Real Life Show Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea, a mindset coach that has a passion for helping people learn to put themselves first and be the best version of themselves each and every day. We came together to create Spoonies Unite, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, and support so you can live your best life while giving you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing education from experts, we help Spoonies and their loved ones thrive. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalizing having a chronic illness by sharing the real stories with real people and show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And of course, thank you to our patrons for your continued support making this possible. If you love our show and want to get some extra goodies, go to patreon.com slash the real spoonies unite. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode. Today we are interviewing Lori Gray. This was a fantastic episode to record for um, all three of us. We just became like best friends right off the bat. We talked for so long before we recorded and after, and this is just the beginning of something great between the three of us. So without further ado, Lori Gray is a life coach, author, speaker, and creator of the Curated Days Coaching Program. She is a wife, homeschooling mom of two, and has been a chronic health warrior for over a decade. After spending five years wheelchair and bed bound, she learned to successfully manage an incurable condition and love life despite daily pain. Now she helps women with limited energy achieve big dreams without sacrificing their well-being. The conversation we had with Lori was absolutely amazing. Both Cassie and I were completely mesmerized by her story, what she's been through, and just we were able to video chat with her while we were recording this episode. And looking at her, you would 100% have no idea of what she's been through. And just hearing her story from her was incredible. And she does a phenomenal job of taking tips and wording them in such a way and presenting them in such a way that they just really hit home in your mind and in your soul. And both Cass and I were very influenced by this incredible conversation. Dude, I fucking love her. I really oh God, do. I love her too. Oh my God. She's the sweetest. She's like my favorite person in the and world now. And it was now. like the most unexpected thing. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Hello, everyone. Today we have a special guest, Lori Gray. And I just have to say that we've been talking to her for like 20 minutes and it's the first time we've met her and we're already all best friends. She's amazing. (laughs) So so thank you. Thank you, Lori, for coming on. Yes, this is going to be so fun. You guys are great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, we think you're great too. So Lori, will you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, your story, your experience, and what has gotten you to where you are today? excuse me of course I've coughed right off the bat um okay so like all stories they're fairly long but we're chronic health people so we'll focus on focus on that part um I so I consider like a huge part of my story or like my really my health hitting the fan so to speak was 
in the fall of 09. So, you know, I, I consider myself really having actively been dealing with the things I'm dealing with and in my process for a little over a decade. But truth be told, um, I've dealt with some measure of health stuff pretty much my whole life. Like I was the kid that always got pneumonia, that was like always sick. Like I was very active too. Like I considered myself healthy and I always played sports, um, but had random pains and random stuff. And I was very hypermobile, just, just randomness, right? So just went about my life. Um, but I guess I technically became a person with chronic health issues right around puberty because um, as soon as I... Um, as soon as I went through puberty, I developed endometriosis. And so I was dealing with chronic pain and issues in junior high and high school. Um, had my first surgery for endometriosis as a senior, medically wow. induced menopause. I was having like uh, hot flashes in the middle of chemistry class, like that kind of thing. So I was dealing with all, I've been dealing with health issues to some extent pretty much my whole life. Um, but I was, so I had my first child and the delivery was honestly just really rough. I probably should have had a C-section, but there was a lot of structural damage, had like a third degree tear um, and didn't, didn't probably properly rehabilitate that. And then when I got pregnant with my second daughter, right about the middle of my pregnancy, when your body releases like the relaxing hormone to have all of your joints relax a little bit, I think that combined with like previous damage, like lots of things. It was just this perfect storm. And I joked that my body fell apart in like about as literal of a sense as I can say, like in, like my pelvic bones, like separated and not just like a little bit, like a lot. And it was really, really rapid degeneration. Um, and so it went from like one weekend experiencing pain to less than two months later, being completely unable to walk at all and in a wheelchair. But they thought it was just, they're like, this is just a pregnancy related thing. They're like, it's a little more severe than the average person's, but you know, six to nine months postpartum, you're going to be fine. So I spent a solid year in bed on my side with my legs tied together um, where I could get up once every, it was two hours on my left side, two hours on my right side. Then I could get up and pee. I could, um, take a shower like once a week, but they were afraid for me to like stand or do anything, afraid it would cause like permanent damage because my pelvic bones were so unstable. They didn't want any sort of weight on them. And so that was, so that was a year. So one solid year just in bed. And then I started out with like, you can be on your feet for five minutes a day. Um, and so we tried that, but then I didn't start recovering the way that I was supposed to. So it, the doctors went from like, oh, you know, yeah, just a few more months, just a few more months to nobody's talking positively to nobody's saying anything at all to I'm like, guys, what's, what, what's the status here? And then they started saying like, okay, something else is wrong. You need to think um, years, not months. And then I started having like pain in other places and like my spine hurt really bad. And they went in and like my the joints in my spine were so hypermobile that it like fractured off a little like bit of one of them. And then other things started dislocating and it was just, it just snowballed guys. Like it was just really snowballing. And it took, it took three years or so of doctors and whatever to get a diagnosis. And you know, the diagnosis come back, comes back that I've got, um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, like hypermobility type. And they're like, it's permanent and it's degenerative. And at the time, I was waking up at like a six on the pain scale. And like, by the time I went to the bathroom and got back to bed, I was like at an eight or nine. I'm like, how in the world could this even get any worse? Um, 
And in terms of spoons, like that whole season, like I had, I literally had two spoons to work with every single day. If I showered and changed my clothes, that was both of them. If I walked to the living room and read my kid a book, that was two of them. And then I was done. Like that was really, it was really all I could do for, for years. Um, and so I, you know, I did everything Western medicine had for me for the first five years or so. And, you know, if they said, and that's the thing, like I was a model patient. I was like, no way am I going to go back and say I didn't get better because I didn't do what I was told. So if they said, do this physical therapy thing four times a day, I did it four times a day. Um, do this thing, do it, take this medicine, take it, go see this doctor. I did like, I did everything that Western medicine told me to do. Um, after five years of that, I was on heavy meds 10 times a day and getting worse and not better. And I was developing all of these like secondary things, right? It's like, oh, now you have adrenal fatigue and chronic fatigue syndrome. And now you have fibromyalgia. Oh, and there's something wrong with your gut. And I developed gastroparesis where like my stomach was completely paralyzed and I was on a liquid diet for three years and um, experimental procedures and like falling and hitting my head and then having brain damage. And like, guys, it was just, I could just go on and on and on. We'll just say it was bad. <laughs> it's really an understatement, but it was bad, very bad for a number of years. And then, yeah, I kind of just hit a day where I was like, there has got to be, there's got to be something else I can do here with all of this. And so started going and looking for my own answers outside of Western medicine. Um, started with basics, you know, things like diet change and lifestyle changes and supplements and trying to get off my heavy meds and replacing them with, you know, more natural alternatives and things like that. Um, and it made a huge difference. And then, but if you guys have done this, when you start going down like that healing journey rabbit hole, you find a lot of stuff underneath there. <laughs> like there were so many things. So I was like, okay, this isn't just about my body. Then it's like the connection between my mind and my body. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm eating well, but I'm still hyper stressed all the time. I've got so much anxiety and I'm really mad at my body. Right. So I'm like having to heal my relationship with my body, like deal with those things, which leads into mindsets and those things. And so I think I was in my, you know, in my early thirties when I started looking up, I remember the day that like I researched like what is verbal abuse? What is emotional abuse? What is like gaslighting? And like, there was just all this stuff like buried underneath the layers. And, you know, I, I just had to go through and find healing in really every single area of my life. Um, but I did. And I just, just kind of like one foot in front of the other. I didn't try to do it all at once. I just did what was, what was next. And then it's interesting though, like whenever, cause I mean, I still have, I still have pain every day. My condition's mm -hmm. genetic. So there's a number of things I've reversed, like autoimmune stuff I've reversed, like adrenal things. Like I've got so much stuff really taken care of, but then some of it's genetic. So what people saw from the outside was like, you were in a wheelchair and now you're not. So I'm starting to get a lot of inquiries of like, what did you do? Can you help me? And then also when people would find out like that I have been in pain every day, basically since puberty and that I still like my life, like, like not just like, like my life, not like tolerate my life, like love my life. Like yesterday, I seriously, I got done coaching for the day and I like cried because I was so grateful. And like every day I get up and I'm like, oh my goodness, is this the life that I get to live? Is this what I really get to do today? And then somebody pays me for it. And I'm like, what is happening? Really? Um, it's just my favorite. So then people, basically, I just started getting a lot of questions about like, can you, can you help me get to where you are? Yeah. And so coaching, coaching was just a natural thing. Like I was already doing stuff similar to coaching before my health got bad, but I met with an executive coach and I was like, Hey, here's all the things that, uh, here's what I have 
what do you think? And she's the one that said, it sounds like you're, you've been life coaching and not getting paid for it. I was like, you can get paid for this. Like that's so fun. <laughs> and so she was like, yeah. And so then I just was like, started like messaging people. I was like, Hey, do you want to pay me for this? And they're like, sure. I was like, really? That's fantastic. And ta-da, I was a life coach. And so just been doing that for, you know, years now and scaling, I've been scaling my business along with my health, um, keeping my health. Number one, that's if I don't, if I'm not well, I can't give back to anybody. So that's number one. And I'm my first client every day. I take care of me first. And then as, as my health has improved and it has, I don't see it as much every day, but if I look back like six months ago, I'm like, man, I'm still improving. I'm so, I'm so much still improving. And I've just slowly scaled my business along with my health. And yeah, so it's fantastic. Wow. And that brought us to today. And I that mean, brought us wow. to today. And then meeting like fantastic people like you guys and getting to come and <laughs> share my story. It's just cool. And it's, it is really fun. It's really fun to see because it, it, it was really, it was really bad. Like, I don't want to downplay any of it. Yeah. Um, if anything, when I tell people like how bad it was, because some people get this perception like, oh no, you've just always been like a happy, positive person. I'm like, girl, no, let me tell you. Let me tell you where this was. And I remember I actually brought my husband with me to an event one time because people were like, yeah, I don't really believe it was that bad. And so like I told my story and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not like exaggerating. Like it really was that bad. And like, I even like brought my husband up. I'm like, can you tell them the truth? He's like, if anything, you really downplayed how bad <laughs> you were yeah. there. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, you kind of downplayed how grouchy you were. I'm like, okay, it was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> You're like, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You know. But yeah, but it was. And so to be able to see all of that, just. But that goes into the whole like, people. you know, but you don't look sick, the invisible mm-hmm. illness exactly. aspect. But when exactly. you're in a wheelchair, you look sick. And mm-hmm. it's like, so, you know, it, it, it is like hard. I can understand you looking at you now. You look vibrant. You look healthy. You mm-hmm. look bright. But having been through my own health journey, I can totally relate to like, yeah, but before you know, it was not like that. This was rough. And you have been through so much. I mean, it just shows like how much strength you have and what an inspiration you are. And I can see how your background um, could be so helpful for you as a coach for other people with the understanding that you have um, from your own personal experience. I mean, that is just absolutely incredible. It's so fun. Yeah. And I, it was funny. I actually had somebody message me to coach them recently. It, well, when people ask to coach with me, it's kind of fun. Cause they're like, man, I've got all these health issues. And one, I'm like, I win. My list is longer. But the cool part about that <laughs> is like, there are most of the time, if someone comes to me with a chronic health issue, I actually do have sadly like personal experience in most of them. You know, I actually had somebody the other day who wanted to coach with me, but they deal with Lyme disease. And I'm like, that's one that I haven't had. Are you okay with this? Like that I don't have, you know, personal experience in this, but yeah, but it has been nice. It's given me, like I said, and I know we're going to talk about this more, but the, you know, coaching, and I know you guys understand mindset and things like that. It's not really that. I mean, obviously everybody's coaching is a little bit unique. Mine's not that it's not that I'm doing anything that's really drastically different from other coaches but I have a voice because mm-hmm. I'm not just saying like, oh, just change your mindset about your pain. It's like, no, 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 I have pain every day and I can, it's just the, that ability to speak from experience. So oh, yeah. it's cool. I think that really makes a big difference. And one thing is for myself, I don't have a chronic illness. I know for me, I've worked with people that, that have chronic illnesses. The, the first client that I worked with was a personal training client and she had multiple chronic illnesses and she just kind of, exposed me to the world of, 
hey, I can't do this. Some days I can, some days I can't. Like the roller coaster that can go along with how you're feeling, how your energy is, where your pain is at. And I just, I know I personally, like there's no doubt in my mind that someone, if they're saying they're feeling a certain way, I believe them. Mm-hmm. And so when there's people that are like, it can't really be that bad. I'm just like, well, has, what do you mean? Why <laughs> they're saying it is. Yeah, so my question for you, Lori, is as for me, I am, I just, maybe it's that I'm super trusting. Maybe I'm too trusting. But when someone's saying that they're suffering, I don't tend to question that. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with people or how do you kind of navigate through the situations when you tell someone like, yeah, this is, this is what my life is like. This is what it was like. This is what it's like now. And they're just like, but you look healthy. How do you navigate through that knowing that you're like, well, I was at the darkest place I've ever been and then I'm here and I, yeah, I look fine, but I'm not. Exactly. Yeah. And the, and the things that people say, like I used to get very easily offended and I had all kinds of thoughts about what people ought to say and what they ought not to say. And the truth is none of us know what to say. Like we're all, you know, I'm just like, whenever I see somebody who's really hurting, there's lots of times whenever I'm awkward as all get out and have no idea what to say to another person who's in pain, even though I've been there, like I have a whole list of stuff I'm pretty sure people shouldn't say, right? But that's not helpful. So I think part of it, you know, dropping, I think with most things when we can drop into compassion for another person and recognize like, I'm like, people may have said that, but I really, I, like, I'm similar. Like, I just, I make a choice to always assume the best intentions from everybody else, not for them, but for myself. And I'm like, they're trying to be helpful. This came from a place of love. This is totally fine. Um, but when people are like, you don't look like you're in pain, I'm like, I just take it as a compliment. I'm like, mm-hmm. I do look good. Right. Like, and it doesn't negate the fact that I have pain, but I'm like, people are going to say this and I can't control what people say. I can control how I interpret it. So I'm like, why not turn it into a compliment for myself? But I just really, but really big picture, I let go of the idea that people need to be right about me or that people need to understand. I think, I think so many people say that. It's like, people just really don't understand. I'm like, of course they don't. Like, I'm in this body and half the time I don't understand, right? Like, how in the world are they going to? Like, like most of my clients come to me and they don't fully understand their own emotions and they're not being fully accepting of themselves. And then they want somebody outside of them to like fully understand and fully accept them. And so for my clients and for myself, I'm like, okay, before we talk about the rest of the world and what the rest of the world's doing, right or wrong or all that stuff, like, are you working to understand your own emotions? Are you working to show up for yourself every day? Are you being fully supportive of you in this season? And if you're not, do that first, because that's what we can control. And what I found was whenever I showed up for myself, I support myself. I'm working to understand myself. I'm loving myself unconditionally. I'm caring for myself. I'm meeting the needs for myself that I can meet. I find that I, I require that from other people less. You know what I mean? And it frees them yeah. up. It frees them up that they can just show up like them and I can love them unconditionally and I can take care of loving myself unconditionally. And it's just, it's honestly simplified all of it for me a ton. Yeah. That's like, that's really incredible. Um, which I think is going to like wonderfully take us into the emotional ownership and thought management. And, um, I had an experience that you're, that you're kind of making me think of with, with all of that too, is um, I have a loved one in my life who has not really like believed that I have 
a chronic illness and I have Crohn's disease and I have said like there was a camera up my butt like it's there you can see it you know <laughs> you want to see the video? so it's like this is not you know I'm like this is not like a I think I have it someone thinks there's camera proof you know photographs yes um but I have definitely been on you know four years of like part of me wanting to like prove that I'm sick, like prove that this is an issue, prove I have a chronic illness and I have daily struggles. And we recently had a conversation and it was really through um, a lot of our work with Spoonies and me working with Chelsea and her coaching and then um, finding some other loved ones in my life who have been really supportive and helped me accept me and my illness more, um, that kind of emotional ownership of it, that my loved one and I had a conversation not long ago and he kind of said, he's like, if I had an illness, I just wouldn't be putting it out there to the world. I'd be keeping it in this like small box, like in the corner and not talking about it and just dealing. And you know, you're like trying to put it out there. And I just don't really agree with that. And I was like, okay, so what if though we just like look at this being like two different experiences, like if you had an illness, cause he doesn't, you know, and you don't know what it's like necessarily until you've maybe experienced it all the time. Not, that's not like a gold standard. That's not black and white, but I'm like, that's how you would choose to deal with it. This is how I'm choosing to deal with it. That's your experience. This is my experience. Can you just accept that this is how I'm choosing to do it and not have judgment on it. And simply like having that conversation with him has made me able Like I have found that in the last month since that conversation, I have like, let it go. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have to prove anymore. I'm just sort of like, this is my experience. He can accept it. So in the way that you said, you know, if people are like, but you don't look in pain, you look great. You take it as a compliment. I mean, there's times that I have been like, okay, well, great. Like you have no idea how I'm really feeling inside, you know, but then Mm -hmm. there's times that I'm like, yeah, I am super tough. I do hide it well. Go me, you know? And so um, I really love how you have like put all of that. Like you wrapped it up in a little box and you put a little ribbon on it. And I freaking love it. Oh like that goodness. is a great little like nugget of gold right there. And um, yeah, so you you started sort of going into like, like you said, emotional ownership. Like mm-hmm. you need to own how you're feeling and what's going on. Can you go more into that? Yes, I definitely can. Um, and I can relate to your story, by the way, part of the reason that, uh, part of the reason that I learned to wrap that up is because yes, I had people, I mean like family members, people really close to me to, to this day think I'm just depressed. Oh, right. I mean, I've had drug doctors accuse me of drug seeking and it's, it's, it plays mind games. Like I I get it. And that was part of it was like, I had to, I had to find a way to think about this and Mm -hmm. it, it, it relates because one of the things that I learned um, that was really profound to me, and I think for some people it's not profound because they always understood this, but the idea that there are facts that exist in the world, like provable things that we all agree on, and then what happens is we have a thought about it, and that it is that thought that creates our emotional state, that it's never the circumstances and facts of our life that create our emotion. It's always our thought about it. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's also, you know, whatever emotional state we're in, as much as we'd all like to think that we're super logical beings, it's always our emotions that drive our actions or our inactions or our reactions. And so I'm talking to my clients about emotional ownership. I'm talking to them about 
really, really taking ownership that it was their own thinking that created their emotions, even though it didn't feel like it at the time, because it's, it's definitely something that usually happens so unconsciously and so quickly, especially those deeply rooted things. But understanding that is how it works. And regardless of what they're feeling, that they are still responsible for how they show up in the world when they're feeling that way, that we're responsible for all of that. Um, but that, that I work with my clients on where if we think about it, and I, I have a, I have a system that I show like on a whiteboard that breaks this down where I model it out for people. But I'm like, you know, the facts are like what a person said to us, right? Like you don't look like you're in pain that we could prove in court. Like we could go and we could go back and we could see a recording and be like, this is what, these are the actual words that they said. But then I know the control I have is that I get to decide what I make that mean. I get to decide what I think about it. And that's going to determine how I feel about it. And so many times I'll hear people say like, well, they invalidated my emotions or they did this to me. I'm like, no, they said words, like they said words. And you get to decide if you believe them, if you go along with it, if you decide that they shouldn't have said it, or we can also just think like they're totally wrong and have no idea what they're thinking about, you know, what they're talking about and just go on. But that's where we have control. We always get to decide those things. And it's not about like, oh gosh, I'm going to hyper control everything. It's like, no, no, we're going to, we're going to react normally (laughs) like humans. But then like the part two it's kind of where we get to step in and make intentional choices about what we're going to think going forward. So I just ask my clients, you know, to, and it, it involves a number of levels. It involves emotional literacy. It's like, can you name your emotions? Can you identify them? You know, can you process and feel them? Because I think some people mistake this. It's like, oh, positive thinking. Like, I'm just going to positive think my emotions away. I'm like, no, that's not the point. We need to be able to open ourselves up and process and feel all the emotions that are human. And I tell people all the time, my, my coaching does not solve for normal human pain. My coaching solves for suffering that's unnecessary, which usually happens when we think we ought to be happy more than we are or when we argue with the nature of the situation that we're in, when we argue with our reality. And so I mostly help people through that. But as I did that for myself, where I'm like, there are factual things that happen, and then I get to decide what I think about it, and that determines how I feel, and that determines how I show up. I remember the day that I realized, I'm like, oh, same thing's happening for everybody else. I'm their external. They're viewing me and what I say and what I do, and that is still true. And it's a factual thing, but then they are going to within their self and in their own mind and based on everything they've learned and everything they've been told and all of their experiences, they have a lens through which they view the world, including me. And that is what determines what they feel and what they say. And I am just as much as I take 100% ownership for my thoughts and my emotions and my actions and what I create for myself, I take zero responsibility for theirs. Like, If they say something like that, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with how they think about life and how they, you know, and sometimes it's what they've been told. And it's not even like, you know, maybe they've been told by someone that like, you know, people who have, because I have a lot of people, it's like they were told by somebody else, like this statement, like fibromyalgia is not real. And they interpret that to mean something and then they show up and they react in ways that are in line with that way of thinking. And it just allowed me to like drop into more, again, drop into a more like compassionate understanding place of, I have been in situations where there are facts and I had a way of thinking about them that wasn't serving me, you know, and I did eventually switch them. But I'm like, like, why is it that suddenly I expect everybody else to be like in perfect, like management of all of their thinking and like emotions? I'm like, nope, they're going to be humans just like me. And I think, I think in many ways, I just recognize like it's, 
it's, it's not really about me, like what they say, like, it's very much about them. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that, cause I mean, you guys have probably seen that, like people listening to this podcast where you can share the same story, right? Like your story, your, your thing, and you can share it with different people and they react in different ways. Cause it's not about you and it's not about your story. It's about what they think about it. And that's all about them. So I just, I just give it, I work with my clients to help them take ownership for everything that's theirs to take ownership with and let the rest go. And yeah, let it go. I'm like, Mm -hmm. people are, people are allowed to be wrong. Like they're 100. And that's the thing when, if someone tells me you don't have, you don't have a chronic health condition, you just have, uh, you're just depressed. I'm like, they're, they're totally wrong. I just don't feel the need to make them right about me. Like I'm okay with letting, I respect people enough to let them be wrong about me and not try to control them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's huge. That's, that's a really good perspective. That's a great perspective, especially like when you're navigating through doctors, like maybe not believing you or, you know, like family members not believing you. Like there's such a huge freedom in let it go. It's about them. And Chelsea, actually, that kind of goes really well into our, uh, that Spoonies guide to the holidays when mm-hmm. we were asking, um, or we, we did a whole presentation about like, dealing with someone asking how you're doing because it's such like, yeah, it's such like a loaded question. You know, how are you? And it's like, uh, and so (laughs) answer, honestly, do you just brush it off? (laughs) So we talked about that. Like you can choose your answer based on the person in the way of like, you could leave a door open. Like you could say, Oh, I've been really unwell, but work is going really great. And then they can choose if they want to say, you haven't been feeling well, what's going on? Or they can focus on work and then you know like how it's going to go. Um, and we offered various different ways that you can respond to that question. And um, it kind of goes like in with that, don't you think, Chelsea, with the emotional ownership? Because it's like you're making it, I don't know, you're giving them the option in a way to, if they want to discuss it further and get deeper on that level um, so that it's about them. Not about I you. think it's, there's definitely some similarities to it. I think if you become very clear on who you are, how you feel about yourself and kind of the way that you perceive life, then when you have people out there that maybe are going to have different views than you, because everyone thinks a little bit differently and that's okay. So it makes our world so exciting and different and leads to the challenges that keep life interesting. And I think that it does kind of that kind of approach for answering how are you can kind of allow you to speak your truth in a way that you feel comfortable with. Um, but then depending on the situation you're talking to leave some space for whatever they feel like they want to ask about. Um, Cause a lot of times people don't want to hear about the negatives. I know people ask me how I'm doing. And even if I'm having a very anxious day, if I'm feeling really stressed, if I'm exhausted or whatever, I'm 99% of the time going to answer, oh, I'm good. Just because for most of the time, I don't want to go into everything else. There's very, very few people that I will be completely honest with Mm. just because that's where, that's where my comfort level is. And so I think that just that that's knowing yourself. See, so that's really interesting because for the last like nine, 10 episodes or however many like of these that we've done, I feel like I was always on the hot seat of like honesty and talking about how I'm feeling. And now for the first time, Chelsea's like, I'm never rarely, or I'm rarely honest. And it's like, uh. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. I've been like, I just working so really hard. Out. I know, dude. I just had to. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. But I also like- want to say that <laughs> like when I ask you, how are you doing? 
like, I kind of want to know, like, are you, is your energy okay? Like, how's your pain level? I don't have pain on a normal day. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and your if I do have today? pain, I, I mean, painkillers work on me most mm-hmm. of the time. Like that, I am very thankful for that because I know it's not always true. So I also feel like, and maybe this is something that I need to work on myself of like, being okay with this is how I feel. I don't always need to share it with everyone else. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I say I'm not being completely honest, it's because like a client of mine is asking. And to me, I'm like, that's your hour. So I'm not about to like open up. Well, I didn't sleep because of this, or I've already worked with eight other people today and I'm tired. <laughs> right. I want people to feel like they're getting the best version of me in that, in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I think this is so fun, guys, because with all of this, okay, one of the things that I teach my clients all the time is they want to know what's the right way to do this. So like if somebody asks this, like, what should I do? Which, I mean, that word, you guys know, that word. Yeah. (laughs) What should we do? I'm like, Uh let's stop it. Um, Mm -hmm. But but I'm like, when people are like, okay, if somebody asks me how I'm doing, should I be fully honest, even if it's negative? Should I hold back? And they want to know like what the right way is to do it. And what I tell my clients all the time, I'm like, there's not, there's not a right answer here. Mm -hmm. I think what's important is the emotion, the emotional motivation that drives it. Because there was a period of time when people asked me how I was doing and I didn't, and I didn't answer honestly. But the reason I didn't answer honestly is because I was afraid. And so I wasn't showing up honestly. I wasn't saying how much pain I was in because I didn't want to be judged and I didn't want to be ridiculed and I didn't want to be called a liar and I didn't want, or I didn't want sympathy, right? Like I had friends who just couldn't handle it. Like the truth of how bad it was, they would start crying. And I'm like, dude, I got enough to handle without managing your emotions, <laughs> right? And so- You don't want to make in, them feel better. <laughs> exactly, You're right? working on I'm yourself. Like, <laughs> I got enough to do here. But like, but when I wasn't honest about where I felt and it was coming from a place of fear, fear that, and I always just tell my clients, I'm like, like your reasons. And that was not a reason that I liked. It was very, very disempowering. But now there are times whenever I don't share honestly, because it's not a safe space. Like it's not a person that's going to show up, that's going to like understand. And like, they're, they're not a place where I'm going to share that kind of truth. They're not a safe space to share it. And so then I'm doing it from a place where I'm like, I'm totally fine with that. I am just also aware enough of who you are in this situation, that that's not, it's not a place we need to go. And that is a reason that I like. So it's like, do we show, do we, do we say exactly how we feel? Do we not? I'm just like, it's totally neutral. But I'm like, what's, what's the emotional motivation that's driving it? And now like I can be in a situation where I can say, this is my truth. Or somebody can say one thing and I can be like, totally, I like, I totally disagree. And I still love you all the way. Where like before I was just, I was too insecure to like say it. But now that like I'm totally secure in my truth and who I am, I don't feel the need to say it all the time. It's just, it's motivated in a different way. And so I just always have my clients go back to the, it's like, it's like what we do, what we say, it's, it's not really the most important point. I'm like, what's, mm-hmm. what's, what's the emotional motivation? What's the emotional driver? Do you like your reasons for speaking up or do you like your reasons for not speaking up? And both are okay. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I mean, because that like liking your reasons, that's huge because I like rarely answer truthfully with my stepdad. I live with my stepdad. Um, he's 90. So I'm also mostly the caretaker, um, Uh for him. And so when he asks me how I'm doing, I like never tell the truth because then I'm worried because he's worrying about me. And then I'm like worried because he's worrying. And then, you know, it's this like whole cycle. So it is just better to just be like, 
I'm fine. You know, for me, it's better. And because then I'm not spending like the stress and the spoons on like worrying about him. Ah, That's nice that like, um, liking your reasons for how you're choosing to respond is what makes like whatever your response. Okay. You know, whatever, however, however you choose to respond, it makes it okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That is an awesome reason. I love it. I love it. So, So, oh, go ahead, Chelsea. (laughs) I was going to say, Lori, you are a busy, busy woman. (laughs) You are a business owner. You're working with clients. You homeschool your kids. How do you manage your energy to do all that and still show up as this incredibly energetic, excited, vibrant woman? I love it. Well, that's a, what a fun question. Well, thank you for, by the way, for the compliment. Like, that's great. Um, and I don't, and the thing is like, I think one of the things was I stopped calling myself busy. Like that was a huge shift for me. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not busy. Like, um, because it's kind of like, okay, if we went, like, if you had a, like a fantastic birthday weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, and it was just jam packed, like where you're going to brunch with your friends and then you're doing this thing and you're doing this thing and like all day long and your schedule's packed. And then like you get back from two days, you know, worth of all your favorite things. And somebody's like, how was your weekend? We're not like, man, it was so busy. Right. We're like, no, no, no. Like I did this and I did this and I did this. And we're mm-hmm. like, and we love it. So part of it is that it doesn't, I, I never label it as busy because it's all stuff that I love. And we just don't talk about things we love that way. We talk about things that we do out of obligation that way. So part of that oh, is that I, I love that. that's an like, amazing distinction. So I never mm-hmm. say that. So I'm not busy. Don't tell people that I'm not busy, but I do. She's not busy. <laughs> I'm not busy at all. <laughs> I'm not. And I'm genuinely not like, and I will talk to clients and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to do this thing. Like, you know, I could stop watching TV in the evening guys. Okay. Here's a little insight. Like I am probably the most atypical life coach ever. I'm like, don't stop watching TV in the evenings. Like you need that. Like watch your Netflix. Like we need our Netflix. I seriously encourage all of my clients. I'm like, watch TV in the evenings, sleep in in the morning when you can, because they've got chronic health issues and like they need rest and they need downtime. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where we got this idea of let's just work nonstop all day long. So I think the biggest thing for me and is, so I think of energy very similar to the way I think of money, right? And most of the principles for managing your finances well actually work with managing your energy well, where it's like, you kind of got to know your budget, right? Like if you don't have any idea how much money you have to spend, how in the world are you going to spend within your means? You have to know how much money is coming in. And like, once you pay your bills, what's left. And this is sort of how I approach business. It's like, how much energy do I have? What are the things I have to spend it on for my well-being? And then what do I have left. So I know what my energy budget is. But then I think the next biggest thing is making peace with that. Because here's what happens. The people who aren't managing their energy well, I don't think this really has anything to do with the practicals. The mechanics of this, my friends, is very easy. <laughs> I have this much energy. So I'm going to use that much energy and then I'm going to quit. Like it, it makes sense. Like when you say it simply, but what happens is people are not okay with the amount of energy they have. They're frustrated by it. They think they should have more. They're angry at their body. And then what this leads to is constantly feeling like they should be able to do more. And so they overspend and usually it's a very, and then they get in debt and then they have to, it's like, it's like a pendulum swing. Those of you watching the podcast, you can't see me. I always like visualize it, but it's like overdo it, overdo it, overdo it. And then we're completely out. And then we have to swing all the way back and do nothing for a chunk of time. So part of why I've been successful is like, 
I live within my means, like budget wise. I made peace with this is how much I have. And it doesn't mean that I never overspend. Like yesterday, my client load was just, just the way people's schedules were. I needed to put a few more people yesterday. Um, and rather than having like a moderate amount of clients yesterday and today, yesterday was heavier and today's lighter. So yesterday I overspent a little bit, but it was a very tiny overspend. And then today I'll do a tiny catch up. And it was like learning to, for the most part, live within my means, spend wisely, and basically pay my debts quickly. Like the same way you think about finances, if you take out a loan and it's a big loan, the longer you go without paying it back, the more interest you pay on it. It's the same way with overspending energy. Like the more we overspend, it's like we start paying interest on that. And then the recovery when we swing back the other way is so much more involved. Um, but by working with my body, not against it, making peace with the amount of energy that I have, I don't, I don't have those. Like when people are like, oh, I'm go, go, going. And it's like, oh yeah, I had to crash for two weeks. I don't do two week crashes. I do two hour sleep ins. Very, very small, very easy to pay back. Um, yeah. So I make peace with it. And so that's a huge part of it is just, and I tell people all the time, like I know people who have built, you know, seven figure businesses working three half days a week. I know people who have been successful in their side gigs, just doing stuff like for an hour in the evenings or a couple hours on the weekends. But this belief that the problem is that we don't have enough time or we don't have enough energy. I think one of the biggest things is like, I just, I got rid of that. I'm like, nope. How do you, instead of, instead of focusing on how much energy I didn't have, I focused on creativity. It's like, how can I get the results that they had in half the time? How can I do this differently? And I got my brain to work finding solutions and efficient ways to do things and ways to find like, what is like the minimum viable everything that I can do in this sphere and where can I cut out the fluff? Um, yeah. And then moving and just moving into that. But I, again, I think the biggest thing with energy is like, it's not really super complicated if we're okay with it, but it's when we're not okay with what we have that we don't manage it well. Oh, that really resonates with me. Um, I have struggled with being a high achiever. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I am very good at loading a bunch of stuff onto my schedule. And I, I, I mean, even though I don't have the energy restrictions that maybe you have with a chronic illness, I mean, I'm still a person. We all only have so much energy to give in a day. Yes, yes, and yes. I am definitely one of those people, like, I was actually, before we started talking, I was talking with Cassie, and I was just like, how is it the end of the day already? We're recording this on, like, a Wednesday afternoon. I was like, seriously, how is Wednesday over? And I was kind of looking at my to-do list, and I was like, I didn't get very many, not, at least I got, a, today was a very productive day, but not a lot of things were crossed off the to-do list that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was sitting there being like, I'm kind of tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I want to be able to finish this interview because it's amazing and I feel like we could talk forever. And so I'm not saying I need to finish it right this second. Um, but after this is done, I don't want to have to feel like I need to work for two or three more hours. I want right. to be done with my day. I want to pour all the energy that I can into this one thing and yes. then be done. But it's so interesting how much our world and our society is like, but can you do more? Can you, know, can right? you do more? Can, no, this a little, little bit more would be nice. And having to kind of walk through that mindset of no, it, like I have done more than enough today. I mm -hmm. have earned this break. And if I don't take a break, then tomorrow's going to be rough. And then Friday is going to be rough. And then the weekend, I'm not going to do anything that I want to do because I'm going to be so tired and exhausted. And I think that that's a lesson that everyone could learn of. You have so much energy that you have during the day. 
and then spend it doing things that really make a difference. Get rid of the fluff. Do the things that you really enjoy, the things that make you happy, the things that move your goals forward. And then when you're done, you're done. Enjoy the rest of your life. Take breaks, sleep in, watch Netflix. I love Netflix. Precisely. And like, and I love this too, because I think one of the things that happens with chronic health issues is like, we're always looking at like how we're different. And like, there's a lot of like, a lot of like work with dealing with like an underlying victim mentality, which nobody thinks they have. And then we all have, um, of like, it's harder for me. It's not fair. It's the lie. I have less energy. This is the thing, you know, we have all these stories, but Honestly, I think sometimes my fully able-bodied clients struggle with this even more than my chronic health issue things because at least for my chronic health issue clients, because they, at least they know, they know they have limited energy where I have other people who have this idea of like, they think they have unlimited spoons because they wake up with so many and like convincing them that they too have a certain amount. And even among able-bodied people where our capacity is and how we're wired is not the same. I'm like, we all, and it doesn't matter that. And that's one of the things I'm like, it really is very similar work. And it's one of the things as I look back, like all of, all the stuff that I went through was I mean, it was horrendous. I'm not saying like I enjoyed any moment of it, but when you only have two spoons a day, you get really clear on what's important and you get really clear on priorities and things like changing my clothes. I found out it wasn't really (laughs) that important to me. Things like doing my hair. You guys have noticed, like I shaved most of it. Like I'm just not Mm -hmm. like that. I realized was not a priority to me whenever I had limited spoons and it helped me get really clear on this in a way that I think people who don't have such an extreme lack of energy never have to figure out. And they're just constantly living outside of their energy means because they're not aware of this in a way that the chronic health community is. And so it's, it's still, like you said, I love that you're saying this because it's not, this isn't a thing that makes us different. This is a thing that makes us the same. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like preach because that's <laughs> like for that's, that's, like what we're about. We want to like normalize chronic illness. It's one of the wonderful things with Chelsea not having one and me having one is those discussions of how we are the same, not just how we're different, but how we are the same. Um, So I like, I'm so in love that you just said that. And I really like, it really resonated with me when you talked about instead of that, like big pendulum swing, um, instead of going from that big When instead of going from that big pendulum swing, just having that small one of like taking two hours here or two hours the next day, um, that's huge because I have been living in the like go, go, go. And then I have like two weeks where I just crash or more more months. I mean, I kind of like went for it from like May of last year to like the end of September. She started feeling really good. And so she thought she had more energy. I went for it. I went to Europe. I did all the things. Yep. And then like end of September, I was on a trip to New Orleans and I like my health. I basically went on this trip to New Orleans to spend the whole trip in an Airbnb for five days. Yep. And I have still been recovering, you know, and it wasn't that did it. It's just, I overdid it for six months. I am recovering for six months. And um, so that little bit of balance is like, I think that's just going to be like treasure for people listening because, um, with COVID and being forced to rest mm-hmm. and sleep in. So I've always been an, an early morning person. I talked about this previously. Um, but 
I've always been like, I get up at six or seven. I've never been a night owl. I have never slept more than like six to eight hours a night. That's just like how I, I've just never been a big sleeper. Wow. That being said, Corona, but I've also been a mom for 11 years mm-hmm. and single mom for most of it. And, and, um, in the last, since coronavirus, school was closed and we're in self-isolation. And I, for the first time in like 11 years, have been able to sleep in. Yes. Turns out my body likes it. And I'm sleeping for yes. like 11 hours yes. and sleeping till like 10, 11 in the morning. And it's like, I have had this huge like shame and guilt around it. And like my whole body's thrown off and I'm, what am I doing? And my boyfriend's like, no, it's super good for you. You need to sleep. Just let it go. You don't have to get back on track yet. Like be asleep. And so you saying this, like this little swing, because at the same time in the last month, I have felt more productive with my energy. I have felt like less stressed. I haven't felt spread thin. And it really makes me think of those like little swings. Like right now I've had the freedom of if I do too much on the one day, I can totally make up for it the next day. Whereas pre COVID, um, I didn't, I did, I had not designed my life in a way that that was like an option for me. Number one. And number two, I wasn't making it a priority. And Chelsea and I like talked about that a lot. Um, so the other thing that really stuck out to me with what you said is like making peace with how much energy you realistically have. I mean, that's like, the key right there. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you help people? I'm sure that this is like a really big thing, but what are a few things that you might be able to offer to, um, our listeners about like how you can work through that acceptance and making peace with how many spoons you have? Um, because for someone who can do all of the things and tries to do all of the things and thinks they have unlimited spoons like Chelsea or someone who is living with maybe like 10 a day, you know, right now, um, like maybe learning how many you have, um, and then making peace with that. What's sort of your process with helping people get that? And as I said, I'm sure that's like a, that can be a big part of it, but it is. And you know, and it's very, it's very different. I mean, I think some of it does, it is a little different for each each person, but like we're really identifying like what our, I mean, the basic process is identifying how they're thinking about now. I spend a lot of my time like in a session poking holes in people's thinking and helping them try on other ways of thinking. Like, is that really true? Is that helpful? Like, is that a fact? Is that a thought? Like, is it serving us? I just ask a lot of questions and present different ways of thinking of things, you know, and then choosing, you know, basic processes. What are we thinking now? poke holes in it, challenge it, find a new way of thinking. But it's so interesting. Like, I also want to jump in and coach here because one of the things you said was like, I need to get, and she's like leaving. <laughs> but she's like, I want to get back on track. Hot water bottle. Yeah, I, I know, get right? back on track. Oh my goodness. Um, so I, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I allowed to like coach you right now live on the air? Because like, I know this is a podcast and it's an interview, but that kind of thinking, like I've been resting more and I'm not ready to get back on track. I'm I mean, like, I know I'm not Cassie, but I would love to watch you coach her as I've coached her many times. And I would just love to witness someone else doing oh it. Let's do it. And re- <laughs> let's do that and record it and then make it like a podcast episode in the future. Okay. So I, so, I so want to do that. It's oh my gosh, that and that's what my, my husband tells me all the time. He's, he's like, you need to stop doing speaking events and doing Q and a, cause you're not nearly as good at that as if you, you actually just coach people. It's actually my zone of genius. Like this whole, like, let's answer question things. I'm like, uh, am I making any sense guys? 
Yes, oh, yes, you so, are. It's beautiful. Okay, okay. Oh, it's beautiful. But, this is like anyway, mastery work right now happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but this idea, but like, but like, listen to even just like, like you, you know, you work with people who have chronic health conditions, but like, notice how you just said it. Like I've been sleeping in, I need to get back on track. Mm-hmm. We're not off the track. Like there is no track. And that, this idea, whenever we have set up in our mind, what it looks like to be a successful person or like a business owner. And then we look at our life and it's not the same. We suffer because we're like comparing it. And I think one of the biggest things with this is like, it's not a comparison thing. Like, and And so whenever I actually, when people actually ask me, they're like, how did you get your book done? How do you do this? How do you do this thing? Like, how did you create a successful business with health issues? My answer is very simple. And it's that what I'm an expert at is managing my mind. And every day I get up and I am the first client that I have of the day. And I, and I would get up and I would like have slept a certain amount of hours because girl talking about sleep. Okay. My body likes at least nine hours and I have played around with this and it's not, it, it doesn't like going to bed at 10 and waking up at seven. It likes going to bed at 11 and waking up at eight. Like that's just what it wants to do. And I need at least an hour to get ready for bed and at least an hour to wake up. I lose almost 12 hours a day with the sleep thing and still have a highly successful business. Like it's not the issue. What the issue is, is whenever I sleep nine hours, I spend like 12 hours doing whatever. And then I get up and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm off track. I need to get back on a schedule, blah, blah. And when I create a bunch of mental drama around how I'm running my day, that is what trips me up. It's not about the energy. And so I get up every day and I coach myself through it because I'm like, the truth is we're allowed to do this however we want to do it. It doesn't matter if I get up at five or if I get up at 10. If I, most people are, even the people who have eight hours a day to get their work done, they're procrastinating for half of it, right? They're checking email and they're on stuff. And I'm like, okay, if I can get excellent at managing my mind and sit down and put in two hours of like, focused, get it done work. I'm probably accomplishing more than the person who does eight hours of like, nah, loosey goosey, long break, let's go get coffee. And, and I just, I just decided like that the fact that I have to do it differently, is not a big deal. Like it doesn't even matter at all. And I just got rid of all of the comparison and I'm like, how can I do it? That works for me. And I quit comparing. I just quit comparing. And I got good at managing my own thinking around all of this stuff. And so because I'm like, is it really a problem? It's only a problem if I think it should be different. It's only a problem if I think successful people get up at 5 a.m. And I'm like, I think successful people are the people who get to work and get their work done when it's work time. And I can do that at two in the afternoon or at two in the morning. Like I went through a, I went through a time when I had insomnia. I'm like, well, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. is when I'm getting my work done today. And then I'm going to be a couch potato. And that was fine because I got three hours of solid work done. And it did not matter what time of day that I did. So I got rid of, I just got rid of all the drama. Right. So like, and like, we just have these ideas of what successful people look like. I think we need to get rid of all of that. Like successful Mm -hmm. people look like you and like me and like whatever we want it to look like. And all you got to do, like as a coach, I get so many um, ads for like coaches and trainings and stuff. And I sometimes like read them because I'm like, this is so interesting, but there'll be one that's like, you have to run Facebook ads. And then the next is why Facebook ads don't work. How do you do Facebook ads differently? I'm like, okay, uh-huh. let's all get used to it. And so I like, you have to follow the system. Why that system no longer applies and blah, blah. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So the truth is like, everybody's making it up as they go. And this works for me and I'm just going to decide yeah. it's awesome. I'm just going to decide it's awesome. Yes. And not, gosh, this is mind blowing. Oh my gosh. 
You guys are so fun. You're so fun. This is so fun because like literally I like slept until like 11 on Sunday and I decided that that was not okay. I I literally Mm. was like, this is not, this is not okay. I'm now having lunch at like three and I'm having dinner at like seven. And this is just like not okay because my whole day is, you know, backwards, like four to five hours. And I literally, like literally on my own was just like, this isn't okay. So I set an alarm Monday, Tuesday, today, set an alarm. And I got up and I was like, okay, this is right. I'm, I'm getting up at like eight, you know? And even like I said on my, like my boyfriend was like, don't sleep in. Like, why are you not sleeping in? And then I even had a moment where I was like, yeah, but you know, when like, when this coronavirus is over and then I have to get up, you know, I'm going to be like so thrown off getting back on that system and I should just do it now. And then it wasn't until last night that I was like, wait, school isn't going back until no. August here. Yeah. So I actually don't have to get up at six until like August when I won't have the choice at that point. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's like so interesting. Like I'm like mind blown over here because it's like, <laughs> Obviously my body was feeling pretty good over the last like couple of weeks with this different system, which uh-huh. I thought was wrong. Yeah. And, um, this is like, this is so mind blowing right now. Oh I hope gosh. that everybody listening is like as mind blown as I am. Right seriously, I'm like, I'm like, who decided all this stuff? And that's like the thing, whenever I'm coaching like business people, I'm like, most of the problems are just ones we made up. Like there are, as I coach people in their businesses, I'm like, there are, um, about eight eight actual like um, issues that we can have in our business that are like real mathematical issues. I mean, we can have an issue with um, traffic. We can have um, an issue with our audience, not being people who can pay us like, you know, with our offer. Like there's, there's a few things where it's like, yeah, you know, these are, these are actual areas to manage, but most of it's not about that. Like most of the problems that I coach my clients through they're not real. They're not real problems. They're ones that we made up because we decided that the way that we're doing it isn't good enough or it's not right because it's different. Um, and I'm like, guys, it's the people who do it different. Like that's the innovators. Like that's when we grow. That's when we evolve as species. Like it takes one person saying like, how can I do what you do in eight hours and four to have those kinds of breakthroughs, right? And to like to develop those different systems. And we're also busy judging it that we're not celebrating and embracing like what we can bring to the table as spoonies and people with chronic health issues like and i think it's so sad because we've got so much to offer and we've got this perspective that's fantastic and we're, we're just too busy judging it to even like embrace it i'm like what if we just all decided this was awesome and started teaching other people how to do it um but it doesn't look like other people right or somebody told us we have to get up at 5 a.m to be successful and i'm like it's just not it's true. It's a very like American thing kind of too. So I'm like originally British and even in England, things are a little bit more relaxed as far as these like times go, like the 5 a.m. American hustle thing. And then like in Sweden, a lot of their employees work like 30 hours a week instead of 40. That's their like huh? work week. And yeah. it's like people are more productive. And then there's been yep. various companies in the U.S. that have done things like that. Mm-hmm. And so you're right, like shifting that could be huge. This is, yeah. gosh, I have a lot to think about. I took some notes. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I don't know if I even answered your question, by the way. I got lost on what I was supposed to be answering. So if I didn't answer it, we could go back. But um... <laughs> I definitely think you answered yeah, it. You okay. Answered it. Like wonderfully. I just, awesome. I love that 
what I heard from all that was listen to your body, listen to your mind, listen to your soul and design your life as you need to based off of that. And it can change day to day. And so I'm, I am person, I'm not a morning person. Like I would rather wake up between seven and eight. And I, and I also don't want to just jump onto my day. Like if I wouldn't have to actually do anything until like nine 30 or 10, I am going to feel happier because I like being able to do my mindset stuff, my journaling, my meditation, my drinking, my coffee, my reading a book, listening to a podcast. I like having that time in the morning where I have to start right away. And I think that that's, that knowing that stuff about yourself and most of us, I feel like don't pay enough attention to those cues that we're getting to be able to start designing our life within these times. Yes. Um, I know for me, if I'm lying on the couch, 10 o'clock hits, I can feel like super awake, but something after like 10 o'clock, I just start falling asleep. And so I've learned that even though I enjoy staying up late, I also, I, I get into this bad pattern that just doesn't feel good where I fall asleep on the couch and I get up and I go try to actually go to bed and I can't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And I stress about not being able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned that if with 10 o'clock hits, if I just get up and go to bed like a mm-hmm. normal human being, I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't even fall asleep right away, but maybe I'm reading a book for a while. But I think listening to those cues and just going off of how you feel is so important to be able yes. to create the life that you love that feels good for you, that uh, allows you to live within the energy that you have. Exactly. Well, and I, I don't know if you guys, I know you said you looked around my website a little bit, like the, the name that I'm currently calling my group program, and I don't know if it's actually um, the greatest name for the program, but the concept, um, it's called Curated Days. And this idea of curation is so, of all the concepts and the way I've thought about this for myself and my clients, like this word like hit home for me. Because it's the idea, you know, when we think about like a, a museum curator, like the I, the fact that there are rooms with like paintings like spaced apart, right? And just a few in a room. And that then in the basement, they have like priceless works of art that aren't even being displayed. And it's not because they're not awesome works of art. It's because it doesn't fit in the room. And like if you have a room full of impressionistic paintings and then you have this very fantastic modern piece, it just doesn't go with what's happening there. And so somebody, and I think we get a little like judgy. It's like, oh, we shouldn't tell people to get up at 5am. I'm like, no, no, no. Some people need to hear the like, get yourself out of bed earlier speech. Like that's, it's not bad or wrong, but we can't take, like, if you just, if you just practiced every bit of good advice out there, it's like 48 hours worth of time. And then we don't actually have time to do anything except for Mm -hmm. Every single thing that's been told, it's like, oh, you should do morning pages and you should do gratitude and you should do meditation and then you should work out and then you should do this and then you should do this. And I'm like, that was my whole day. you have to make all of your meals organic and from this and they have to be made from scratch and Mm -hmm. they have to be really complicated and they have to clean everything. You have to organize everything. And I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Exactly. I'm like, that's all my spoons and I didn't actually get to live at all. You know, where it's like really, you know, curation is this idea of choosing among great ideas and you know, choosing among, sometimes saying no to really good things that aren't creating the life that we specifically want. And it's not, it's not even about labeling them good, bad, right, wrong. It's about you and that like each of us has a very unique thing that we want to do and achieve in the world. And when we try to just fit that into somebody else's system and what works for them, it doesn't always work for us. Like we have to kind of look among all the good advice and 
try things on and like pick and choose and decide what works for us and then just be okay with it. And people are always sending me like, have you heard this method and you have you done this? And have you ever read this book? I'm like, no, I have a very, <laughs> I have a very simple morning routine. I'm doing the same thing for years. It works. And I know that there are 10,000 new things out there. I don't actually need a new thing. I have a thing that works. And I'm not doing the whole like shiny object syndrome, like let's chase the newest thing. Because again, I think that that comes from not being at peace with how we're doing it. But I'm just like, I like how I'm doing it. I like how my days work. I don't, and it's not that I'm not open to learning other things. I just don't feel there's not some sort of perceived deficit that I'm trying to make up for. Right. I'm like, I like it. And I'm, I'm careful to bring things in and let things go for my own good reasons. Not because somebody outside of me said, this is the right way to do it. I know it's really important. I know I sometimes get distracted by shiny objects. I'm like, Oh, I should read this book and I should read this <laughs> one. And, and I'd spent a lot of last year reading a ton of personal development books. And I'm kind of at a point now where Every time I read one, I'm like, this is basically the same thing that every other book said. It's just said a slightly different way. Slightly different each, way. It's yep. each person's perception. It's their personality. It's their voice thrown into it. And I, because I've noticed those thoughts of like, I'm tired of reading the same thing over and over again. I'm like, okay, maybe it's time to just stop. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd have really cut back on the, the big long reading list I felt that I had to read, that I had to know. Cause I was like, no, this, this is all the same. And I have figured out a little bit more of what I enjoy, what makes me feel good. And then instituting those things. And you don't, you don't need anything else outside of that. If you've got something that's not broken, you don't always have to fix it. Yes. It's good. Yes. Amen, sister. Yeah. There's, I'm sitting over here just like, oh my God, this is like, I just needed to hear all of this so much. I'm like, I want to do a coaching session. We'll make it a podcast. Let's do it. Yes. Let's um, do it. Do. <laughs> go do it. Um, I mean, I wrote I'm it down. Gonna, it's going to happen. I okay, will make sure gonna, you wrote it down. So it's happening. That's awesome. We love it. Um, yeah. I'm just so inspired by all of this. I mean, like efficiency of your spoons, you know, is definitely like a big theme like you were saying, like, how can I get these, what someone would take eight hours of work to do in like three, um, you know, just being efficient and doing the things you need so that your brain will work for those three hours, because that's one of the big tricks. Um, I would be like filling my plate with like doing all of the things and trying to do so many things in a day that it ended up that my brain was like literally shut down. Mm -hmm. And I know that whether you have a chronic illness or not, like that happens to all of us. Um, but it would get to the point where I would just be like having a conversation with someone and almost just like staring at them. And my brain was like literally just shut, shut down. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. But in the last couple of months, so just before coronavirus, um, I actually cut my teaching schedule, teaching Pilates, I cut that down by like half mm -hmm. because I started noticing that I was like, I am pushing it. I'm about to be in a place where I'm not going to be able to work at all. Mm -hmm. And I just could feel that. Um, I knew that was coming and it was a really hard decision to make, but I started tailoring it down a little bit to where it finally went like half working half as much as what I was working. And right. I already noticed the benefits from that. And then it was only like a month of doing that, that then um, coronavirus happened and now we're a month in from that. And, uh, it has totally validated that I, I was doing too much. Mm -hmm. And so like with going into, you know, managing your spoons and looking at 
you know, business and everything. Like I was trying to do way too many things. And then I really wasn't quality for like anything and let alone having time to do the things that I really wanted to do. Like I hadn't been able to read. I do love to read. It helps me to like shut my mind off from the busyness of the world and just be more peaceful. You can't be distracted and look at your phone while you're reading. You can like watch Netflix and multitask and be on your phone and be doing all the things, but with reading, like you can't. And that's one of the things I love about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wasn't even making time for that. And I didn't even have like the brain capacity to, to read. Mm -hmm. And I've read two books in the last couple of weeks. So it just kind of goes to show. Um, so I'm very inspired by everything that you're saying. And I think it's clear that you were naturally um, kind of like made for this like life coaching that you're doing it, the way that your life steered you into this, like, and how, you know, the doors were open for you to be like, Oh yeah, I can get paid for doing this. I mean, this is great. Um, It kind of shows like why you're on this path. And so with little tidbits that you've said throughout this, it's also showing that like, you're not, you know, doing like the, 8 to 9 p 8, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. like grind of like working from home owning your business. I mean, you're being a mom and um I can't imagine how hard it was just to kind of like go back to the beginning of after having your second child and being essentially bedridden and then in a wheelchair. Like that had to have been so difficult with little ones. And I'm sure that there is a huge grieving process that you had to go through and letting go of like, I don't know what, like the vision that you maybe had for yes. early motherhood. Yes. Um, yeah. And so it just shows like how much you have overcome and the mindset challenges that you have faced and you've done the work and you have a life that you have designed that you love. Um, in our interview with Nitika, she mentioned that, cause I asked her like, how do you feel like you've designed your life around your chronic illness? Cause that's how I saw that this had to go. And she said, I don't feel like I've done that. I just feel like I've designed a life to make me feel healthy. Mm. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's a thing. And that has like stuck with me. And what I'm really hearing from you is same. Like rather than necessarily designing your life around your obstacles and around your illness, you've designed the life so that you can feel your best and your happiness and have the most fulfilled, loving, happy life. And you also have a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. It's not like wall having or in spite of having, and with this obstacle, it's like, and, and so I'm so inspired by everything. And Um, I mean, what would you, I guess it's like, what would you say to those of us Spoonies who are like looking to to find that balance, if you will, like um, being able to look at life as, like I said, not just like how one can design it around your illness, but design it to feel healthy and happy with your illness. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. So let me, I'll answer it one way and then you can <laughs> tell me if that answers mm-hmm. it or not. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I do want to say, like in context of this answer is, you know, you guys are, you know, you guys are hearing me today. Um, I've been, I've been in process for this, like actively working on 
learning to love my life for a lot of times, for a lot of time. And, and not just sporadic. I mean, coaching myself every single day, like actively working on this for a long time. And, you know, as much as I agree with what you said that like, in some ways I do feel like I was uniquely designed for this. Don't, don't misconceive it and think that like, oh, she was just always happy and positive. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it, like, I'll just be real, you know, real with you guys. Like there were, I can't believe I'm going to say this on the podcast. I might cry. Oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. Um, but like there was, there, there was a time like where I was not, I wasn't suicidal. I had young kids, but like there were so many days whenever I got up and I'm like, what is the point? Mm-hmm. Like why, like if this is degenerative and I'm going to get worse, like I'm not even like really living right now. I was a burden to everyone around me. I like sucked all of our finances dry. Like, and my husband's trying to take care of a newborn and a toddler and like a wife in bed. And I was so angry and like, I wasn't, I wasn't there for the people around me. I wasn't giving back. I'm like, and when I have clients say like, when they question like their worth and value, I'm like, I literally laid in a bed and took from everyone around me for years. Like, you know, and you're questioning your worth because you didn't get the dishes done. Like, let's talk about this. Right. And not that it's comparative, but just and like, and like with, yeah, with my daughter, I had, I had a, I had a baby that I could not hold. I, I picked her up for the first time when she was five and watching, like having her crying and I could not pick her up. I developed like legitimate, like PTSD around like, like I there's only imagine there's, there's something and it's hard to describe to people cause it wasn't war, but like, it was something primal of like, this is, you are supposed to pick up your baby when they cry. And I couldn't. And it was. Um, and it was so hard. And like, I, I, I dealt with self-loathing and self-hatred and I almost ruined my marriage. Like my, my husband think I just can't even believe he like stuck with me. Like we had to like work through like damage that he had from words that I'd said. And like, it was so, you know, you guys are hearing a lot of like where I'm at today, where I'm speaking from a future wisdom, but I think what I want to, you know, I don't want anybody to come away with this and think that I'm some sort of like oh, this is just how she is, or this is just how she thinks. Like, no, no, no. Like my thoughts were like, there's no point in even being alive. Like mm-hmm. completely got to like a place of like hopelessness and despair. And like, and like we even, my husband and I are very honest. Like we even had like an honest conversation of like, uh, maybe it would be better if, like if I died because like it's, and that sounds terrible to say. And like, not just like in a really, like we love each other, but this is so, so, so hard for all of us is this going on? So I I share that to say, I don't want anybody to think that where I'm at is because I'm some sort of special human. I think that my internal dialogue was more negative than most people that I talk to. And getting from there to here, it took time. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting with certain things, like I'm going to learn to ride a bike. I'm going to learn how to use Excel. We see them as skills that we're able to learn, but that when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to mindset and emotions and processing our feelings, we have this idea that like, we're just supposed to know it, or there's like something wrong with us, but these are all just skills. Like they're all just skills that are learnable. Um, if we will be patient and work with ourselves through the process. So I think, I think that would be, you know, the advice um, is to, to be patient with yourself and just do the next thing that's in front of you. Um, Because again, there's this rush of like, 
I don't know, sometimes we have this idea of like, there's this place that we're supposed to be that's further than where we are. But like the only place you guys can be is right where you're at. And it's completely fine. And I had those days when I'm like, I hated where I was at. But the only way to get from there to here was to walk through each little piece. And despising the process doesn't make it go any faster. <laughs> it doesn't. So I'm like, you know, it's, it's okay. Like engage with it. Give yourself time and space. Even like scientifically changing like a single thought. It takes almost a month for a new thought to even take up physical space in the brain. And then, you know, you know, three to five more like month long cycles for your brain to even like really get on board with it. And yet we're like, no, I listened to this podcast. And like, I, I thought I, I repeated that thought four times today. Why do I not believe it? It's like, okay, well, let's think about how long we've thought these other thoughts. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a process. So I think that's mm-hmm. the thing. Um, but as long as we don't despise the process, as long as we're okay with just taking the next step and the next step and the next step, as long as you don't quit, you get there eventually. Um, I did not come to this place overnight. There was a lot of layers. There was a lot of stuff to work through. And I just did it piece by piece. And I remember, you know, as an example, I remember being in the place where I was working on my diet and recognizing I was angry with God. And I don't know what like everybody's faith background is on here, but I do, I do believe in a creator. And I was mad at, at that. But I was looking at it and I had kind of this like, oh my gosh, I need to like get this part figured out. And there was just something about me that had this sense of like, I'm not ready for that yet. Like I can't be trying to do all this stuff with like diet change and like physical therapy and working through this. I'm like, I need to just focus on where I'm at right now. Like what's my step one? And when I was in step one, I was in step one. And then I went on to step two. And there was always kind of this, like, there's all this other stuff, but I just like, didn't get overwhelmed by it. I'm like, what's right in front of me to do today. And then whenever I'm through that, I'll go on to the next thing. And just by systematically working through it, you get there as long as you don't stop. But again, it's this pendulum swing thing, right? Even with, even with our personal development, it's like, no, no, I'm going to do all the things. Oh, I'm exhausted. Okay. Let's do nothing for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we don't get traction. So just be patient with you guys, with yourselves. It's all, it's all just skills. You are not expected to know something you haven't been taught or learned. If you don't know how to process an emotion because nobody taught you, it's fine. Like it's really Mm -hmm. fine. It's just a skill. You can learn it. You can get there. It's all going to work out. See, and I think like, I'd love to say for, because, you know, our, like you said, like a lot of our listeners can't see you on here. And of course, like the three of us, everybody, we're all virtual right now because it's socially, social distancing and everything. But there's like an element about you that you can like, um, like you said, like you haven't always been in this place that you are now Mm -hmm. in this kind of like, you're in this. I mean, happiness and light and like wisdom, not saying that days aren't hard. We all have, like you said, you have pain every day still, but there's something like about you that you can feel intuitively and the energy from like the road you've lived. And it kind of like comes through with everything that you're saying. And I know that the people that I've connected with the most, whether it, whether it's like social media authors or in person or over the phone, et cetera, are those people that are raw and real. And you can almost just like feel the weight of everything they're saying, because that, I don't know if I like that energy of everything that they've lived is like there, like you can feel the wisdom, you can feel the experience behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, 
it's incredible to see like how far you've come and what you have overcome and worked through and the mindset shifts you've made. And I can see that you have so much value to offer your clients and the world. Um, and I just feel like so lucky to have had you on our podcast. I mean, this is just super special. This was so fun. Like I said, you got you guys are you know you guys are amazing. Like I said, nobody could nobody could hear our conversation beforehand. But like we just immediately we all talked for five minutes. I'm like, oh my goodness, we are just best friends now, right? Yeah. Um. So so thank you guys. Like I appreciate that. Um, you know, you guys taking time to like just ask questions and hear about my story. Like it's it really does continue to be such an honor, right? Like I'm like, man, the fact that people want to hear what I'm doing and want to hear what I have to say, like it's still like all the time just just blows me away that people do find inspiration and encouragement in my story. So I, um, I, I just, I appreciate you guys. I'm so thankful to get to come on and share with your community and meet both of you. This was just so like, seriously, this was so much fun. Like I've done podcast stuff before, but this, I, this is by far the funnest podcast I've ever done. Like for Yay! sure. Hands down, hands well, that down. just means the world to us. Oh my gosh. And like, it is so, I don't know. This was just like, so great. And it is everybody's like experiences, like you said, like telling your story and those experiences. I mean, especially like, I don't know, the older I get and the deeper my connections get with people, like that's what I like want to know. And those are the things that inspire me. And um, it's like when you choose kind of like who's in your circle in the sense of who you're going to seek counsel from, Mm -hmm. it's like knowing someone's story is going to make you be like, oh yeah, this is like, I want to talk to them about this and I want to hear what they have to say. And you know, I don't know. This is just, Chelsea, I know that you freaking loved this too. <laughs> I, Lori, there was so many times when I was listening to you talk where I just got so lost in your story. So mesmerized. I loved all of the information that you shared with us, with everyone listening. And I really liked hearing where you've been and how you've gotten yourself where you are now because it, it, it can be so hard to connect those two spots of time together. And I loved how you mentioned that you're working on yourself every single morning. You are your first client every single day. And you mentioned how long it takes these mindset shifts to happen because I, I think on top of us being a very hustle, busy type of society, we're also very impatient. Mm-hmm. And so really sharing the fact that like, guys, you were at this place where it was not good. It was not good at all. But because you just took it little step by step, little tidbit by tidbit and focus on what you could, you were able to go so far by just doing it a little bit at a time and staying consistent and not overwhelming yourself and being really honest with what was the thing you needed to focus on in that moment and what could you just wait for a little bit later? What were you not ready for? What, what could you take on right then? Um, so I think that's lessons that would help everyone and the entire planet help them improve their life. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for sharing oh, that with us. You are so oh thank you guys for your yeah. kind words. You guys are so sweet. So I'm sure our listeners are gonna want to find you. So where can people <gasps> yeah. find you? For sure. Okay. So Instagram right now, I am uh Coach Lori Gray. My name's just spelled really funny. It's L-O-R-R-I-E. You can talk to my mom about why there's so many extra letters in there. We don't know. She said it looked she said it looked prettier when you write it that way. So L-O-R-R-I-E-G-R-A-Y. So Coach Lori Gray is who is who I am on Instagram. Um, and I do have a website, which is just my name, LoriGray.com. Again, spelled funny. Um, <laughs> but I'm over there. So those are those are best ways to connect with me for sure. 
And we'll put those in the show notes too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So this was just well, super special. Thank you so amazing. much for staying and, and talking to everyone us. everyone that has listened this long, thank you. We appreciate you listening to us and hearing our conversation. Um, please reach out to Lori and, and us if you enjoyed this so we can do a little bit more. And in the future, we will have that coaching session between Lori yeah. and Cassie. That's going to be epic, gonna happen. It's, oh it's going to happen and it's going to be epic. I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Lori. It's been fantastic. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please write us a review to help us reach more people like you. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at The Real Spoonies Unite. You can also join our private Facebook community, Spoonies Unite, or you can visit our website, therealspooniesunite.com for all sorts of resources and to stay up to date with our current projects. And don't worry, you can find all these links in the show notes below. Thank you to our wonderful Spoonie patrons for all your support, and you can become one too. That's right. All you have to do is go on over to patreon.com slash Unite, and you can get all sorts of extra goodies like videos of our episodes and more. Any support is greatly appreciated. It helps enable us to create more content for all of you, as well as make this podcast sound better and better. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be back in your ears soon.